So glad you're here today as we continue our series, Set Free. And uh, we'll end today with a story and a baptism that is beautiful and powerful. We continue to see God move here in very fresh ways, and you'll see that again today. Powerful moves of God, radical change in people's lives when they surrender fully and completely to him. And this is what the blood poured out is intended to do. It is to bring us to a place where we understand forgiveness of sins because no one can carry the weight of your past failures. You can't do it. If you're still trying to carry the guilt and the shame, I know what's happening. You're looking for something to soothe that weight. You're looking for something to relieve it. And you may have tried turning to all kind of things to try to find it. But when you turn to Jesus and realize he has removed the weight, you'll find freedom. You'll find freedom in your soul. You'll find freedom from all those things that you've turned to to try to find relief. And the truth is what truly sets us free. And again, we're seeing that here at Vertical. We've seen people set free from uh, racing thoughts carrying the weight of shame, carrying the weight of guilt, unhealthy habits in their life, addictions. We've seen people being set free from being a slave to their urges. People set free from uncertainty about their standing before God. People being set free from wondering if God is for them or against them. People being set free from the crushing weight of trying to be perfect People being set free from the dis-ease in their mind, the dis-ease in their emotions and their behavior, even in their body. We are seeing Jesus truly heal people here at Vertical. Amen? You know, it's a crazy thing that happens whenever you and I think that somehow we have to still pay for our sin. That somehow I still have to work at it to prove to God that I can be better, that I can work it off before I will believe that he loves me. There's no freedom in that. In fact, you can't do what Jesus said we are actually called to do, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You can't do that if you're trying to somehow earn his favor by your behavior. If you think somehow that church attendance and giving some money is somehow earning you better credit in heaven, I'm sorry, it just doesn't work that way. You probably already know that because you know it's not working for you. The real freedom is found in believing and knowing that Jesus Christ died to set you free from all of that. We're not here this morning because we're trying to gain some religious credits in heaven. We're here this morning because our credit has been paid by the one who paid it for us already. Amen? We're set free. That's why we're here today. That's why we study the scripture. That's why we walk in faith. We're not doing so to try to earn something. We're doing something because he's given something to us. Amen? That's true freedom, and that's what happens. We can actually then love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. I'm actually free to approach God boldly to come to his throne of grace and find strength to help in time of need. I'm free to do that. I'm free to face even the most difficult situations in front of me because I know he is with me and he is working all things together for my good. I'm free. I'm free to do that. I'm free to resist the lies of the enemy. I'm free to do that today. I don't have to listen to him. I'm free to be open with others about God's work in my life. We have been showing that, and you've been seeing that right here at Vertical. I know sometimes when I talk to people, they think, oh man, I just don't know if I could ever share my story. I just, I mean, it's hard enough getting on stage. I recognize that. But some people think 
if I told my story, people might think less of me. Let me ask you, have you thought less of anyone who has been on this stage and told their story? No. In fact, you have glorified God and been amazed at what God has done in them. Amen? That is how it's supposed to work. And we are free then to tell our story. We're free to worship out of fear of what other people think around us. Amen? You can sing, you can clap, you can dance, you can shout, you can do whatever you want. You can stand there and weep. You can fall down on your knees praying. You can do whatever you want because in this room are a lot of other people who are experiencing that same thing. Amen? And we're free to do that. I don't have to worry about, oh my goodness, what are they going to think if I do this? I'm not here to please them. I'm here to please him. Amen? I'm free to do that. And I'm free to walk in my new identity of who I am in Jesus. I'm free to do that. I'm encouraged to do that. The New Testament tells me to do that. We're also finding people who are being set free in the second area that Jesus said is the most important, second most important area. One, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Be free here and here. But Jesus said there was a second great commandment and that is to love your neighbor as yourself. So be free here, but also be free here. Be free to love those around you. Be free to love the unlovely. Be free to love when it's difficult. Be free even to be patient, be kind, and to forgive when you have been hurt. Now that is a different level of freedom. In the next part of this series, Set Free, we're gonna move into this area of what it means to be free from being controlled by what others have done to me, my desire to want to hurt them and holding bitterness against them. Because I am not what I have done. I am what Jesus has done for me. Amen? And our message today is this. I am not what's been done to me. I am what Jesus has done for me. Now, we live in a culture today that is infatuated, obsessed with what people do to them. We live in a culture today that is obsessed with being offended. We live in a culture today that just lives right out there just looking for someone to offend them. We live in a culture today that elevates people who claim they have been offended. We live in a culture today that elevates you the more offenses you can actually claim. You get more notoriety. You get more publicity. You get more favors. You get more money from the government. You get all kind of stuff because you claim you were offended. And when you live offended, the last thing that you are is free. You are bound up. You are caught up. You are believing everything that someone said to you or did to you is who you are. 
oh, this was done to me, so I'm forever now going to be this. I went through this traumatic time. I'm not making any light of traumatic time. But Jesus came to free us from our traumatic times so we don't have to carry that wound the rest of our lives. Amen? I don't have to say, this thing happened to me and I'm forever going to be scarred by that thing. Oh me, oh my. Don't wound me more. I'm offended. I'm offended. Somebody write a law to protect me. I'm offended. Hello? Is that not the culture we live in today? And it's sad. Because those people are not free. They walk around like a giant wound, ready to be offended again. They, they keep their wound out front. They, they kind of like it now. They get more attention. They get more notoriety. Look at me. I'm wounded. Don't wound me some more is what they're actually doing. Jesus came to free us from that. And Jesus didn't put up with a whole lot of wounded mentality out there. You never saw Jesus apologizing for his race. Jesus didn't apologize for being Jewish. Jesus didn't apologize for being the son of God. Jesus didn't apologize for preaching the gospel. Jesus didn't apologize for talking about a kingdom that was greater than the kingdoms of this world. Jesus didn't apologize for even offending people. You don't read in the gospels where the people went away upset because of Jesus' teaching, and Jesus says, wait, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, God, I, I, I didn't mean all that. Come on, come on back. I'll feed you some bread and loaves and fishes. Come on. You don't see that. But what you're finding today in the culture, and even in churches, are people apologizing for the gospel, apologizing for taking a stand on truth apologizing for their race, apologizing for their faith, apologizing because anybody and everybody is offended. You and I must not fall into the trap that the world has bought into, the offended trap. You can't live in that. You can, but you'll find yourself bound up, caught up, more offended, more angry, more bitter, and you'll not find life. You can't if you live continually thinking, I am what's been done to me. But praise God, there was one who was wounded for our wounds. There was one who came to fill in the gap where you and I have been hurt. There is one who has come to be greater than all that has happened to us that we might be freed from that so that you and I can say, I am not what's been done to me. I am not what's been said about me. I am not even what I have done. I am now who I am because of the one who gave his life for me, who was resurrected for me. I am now a child of God. Amen. This is what we are. Amen. I am not what has been done to me. Now, I want to talk today from a passage of scripture 
in just a moment, we're going to look at Colossians. If you want to kind of turn and get warmed up there, yeah, you can do that. I'm not going to go to the verses yet because I want to talk about how the world got to this spot. How do we arrive at this place where being offended seems to be the premier thing? How do we get to this place and how do we make sure that doesn't happen to us? Because here's the thing. People today who don't know Christ, who are not walking in the fullness in Christ, they believe some things. Everybody believes something. We believe in Jesus. We believe that the Bible is God's word. We believe that by his grace, through our faith, we can be saved and that we are a new creation in him. Amen? I am not what I was, and I am not what has been done to me. But the world doesn't think that way. The world says, I am my wound. We can just put an S on that. I am what's been done to me. And because I didn't have a father, I am now this. Because I this, I had this situation happen in my life, I am now and forever will be this. Because I was scarred, I will forever be this. Don't get me wrong, there are impacts from all of those situations. But the hope of the gospel is this, you are not forever your wounds. You are not forever what happened to you. You are not forever what has been done to you. The world today says, I am my wounds, and I am therefore defensive. Don't get close to my wound. I'll cut you. And they go about wearing their wounds all around them, and they're ready for someone to hurt them. I get it. If you've ever had a physical wound before, if you've ever broken your arm, if you've ever played some church league softball and slid into second base and you got a giant scar down the side of your leg. You can't even wear full length pants because it hurts and because it stings and because it hasn't healed yet. I get it. If that has happened to you, you go around protecting that wound. Hello? Anybody gets close to you, you're like, oh, whoa, 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 back up, back up. Softball wound, you know? Kind of proud of that deal, right? So, That happens. I get it. If you've ever been wounded, you protect that wound, but you only protect the wound until it's healed. And then you stop protecting the wound and you go on and live your life. This is what we're called to do. By faith in Jesus Christ, he comes to heal our wounds so that we don't have to always be ultra guarded protecting where our wound was. Amen. But the world's not that way. They, are, they say, I am my wound, I am defensive, and I am angry. And if you get too close to my wound, mm, I will cancel you. I'll cut you off. And, you know, life goes on. And the thing that happens with life is, I don't care who you are in this world, there are going to be offenses. People are going to unintentionally and intentionally sometimes hurt you. 
It's going to happen. And so when, when those who are carrying their wounds around, when they get more wounds come at them, man, it hurts and it hurts even more. I mean, because they're wounded already, they're sensitive already, so when the wounds come, it is even more painful, more aggressive. And the thing is, sometimes wounds come and they carry some, some flame to them. They carry some fire with them. Because sometimes people intend to hurt you. That happens. I don't care who you are, whether you're saved or not saved, that stuff still happens. But if you think and believe you are your wounds and you're defensive and you're angry, your whole being will be set on fire. You will just be this angry, defensive. You will be this protecting, I'm offended person. You will carry around all the time all the wounds that you carry, and you will not be free. Do you recognize that in our world today? You recognize people flamed because of their wounds, and they always walk into situations thinking, I am less than, I'm jealous of that person, I'll justify my actions because I'll do what I need to to protect myself. I'll say what I need to, I'll do what I need to, I'll cut you if you cut me, I'll hurt you if you hurt me, I'll blame others. And this is where you get victim mentality. I'm the victim, I've been hurt, I've been wounded, I deserve treatment for this. I get it. Again, if you've ever been hurt, if you've ever been wounded, if you've ever broken a bone, you need some treatment. Especially us men. Hello. We're babies when it comes to being sick and wounded. <laughs> All the women said amen. It happens. I recognize I am that one. Heather tends to be like, I'm fine. You don't need to do anything for me. I'm crying and like, please give me something here. I'm dying. I got a cold. So I get it. But victim mentality wears that throughout all of life. Victim mentality says I deserve to be treated a certain way. Victim mentality is out to hurt other people. Victim mentality always has their wound present. And when that happens, I'll say it again. You cannot be free. You're not free to love. You're not free to heal. You're not free to even walk out this faith that you and I have been called to. Because here is what the scripture says in Colossians that you and I are called to do. So Colossians 3.13. Here it is. Put on tender mercies. In other words, when someone else is hurting, show them mercy. You can't give mercy to someone unless they don't deserve it to begin with. Mercy is what you give to someone when they don't deserve to be cared for. So put on, he says as followers, put on tender mercies, kindness. Do what is good for the other person's sake. Have humility. Think of yourself less than everyone else. Meekness. Be controlled in your actions like a horse that has been trained. Have a meekness about you. You will do what your master wants you to do, not what you want to do. And long-suffering, I'll define long-suffering for you. It is 
suffering long. It's being patient with people way beyond the bounds of what you might normally do. He goes on and says, also bearing with one another. In other words, putting up with the differences, putting up with the weaknesses, putting up with those who are struggling and forgiving one another. Those are the things that you and I are called to do. For us to be able to do that, we have to be free. If you're still carrying this around, you'll find it very difficult to do any of these things. You won't think in terms of being kind. You'll be thinking in terms of what they ought to be doing to you that's kind. If you're still carrying all this around, you won't be thinking about being patient with other people. You'll be thinking about how they need to get their act together and do what they said they were going to do. Hello? I can relate to that. If you're carrying around all of this, all of these things here that Paul is saying we ought to be doing as Jesus followers will be very difficult for you. And he goes on, he says, even in this, if anyone has a complaint against another... If you got something that someone did to you, if you got something that someone did that is a wound, that is offensive, that is difficult, that is painful, that has been a scar, if that has happened to you, if anyone has a complaint against another, here it is, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. If you have been offended, then the thing that's right to do is to forgive them, to let go of owning the responsibility of being the one to make them pay. Because that's what just feels right to our flesh. You hurt me, I hurt you. In fact, you hurt me, I hurt you double. That's what's natural. But Jesus calls us to forgive. The New Testament here says the way you do that is you look at what Jesus did for you and if he has forgiven you, then you do for others what he did for you. While you were an enemy, he loved you and forgave you. And when you came, you received that forgiveness. So if you and I are going to be Jesus followers, then we are called to do for others what he has done for us. Now, think that is next level stuff for us. That is challenging. All of that seems difficult. All of that seems against the grain. All of that seems to cause so many questions. Well, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? I recognize there are circumstances where we have to answer how we carry this out, but let's not miss the point by getting stuck in the questions, right? Forgive as you have been forgiven. Now, the real key to what's in 13 is not what happens in verse 14. The real key is what happened in 12. So I want to take us back one verse where Paul gives us the setup for how you actually do all these things. He says, 
Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, that was the setup to 13. In other words, before you're able to be kind, be patient, be long-suffering, and forgive, you have to remember some things. In fact, three things. You've got to remember, one, that you have been chosen by God. You didn't choose him, he chose you. Number two, he has cleared your record and given you a new identity as holy. Not because you've earned it, but because he has given it. Not because you've had a great track record this past week of good behavior. He has given you the status of holy. And the third thing, you are deeply beloved. You are beloved in the sight of God. Why are those three things important? Because here's what happens. Wounds tell us I'm not enough. I'm not enough because I've been wounded so deeply. Wounds tell us I'm rejected. Wounds tell us we are unloved. But Jesus says, I know you've walked through pain. I know you've been wounded. But I am here to fill in the gaps of whatever you have suffered through. And I'm going to tell you, you might feel rejected by what has happened to you, but listen here, I have chosen you. You are the elect of God. You are precious. Don't let the rejection of some moment be greater than the election of God over your life. He has chosen you. Rest in that. You say, well, I just don't feel very worthy. Look here. In all that's happened to you, I get it, you feel unworthy. But don't let that feeling of unworthiness be greater than what Jesus has called you now and given you the gift of holiness. He's made you righteous. He has chosen you and he has called you and he has called you his own. You are loved. I know you might have walked through some things that make you feel unloved, but Jesus says you are my beloved. I know you might have walked through some things and heard some people and they've said some things to you that would make you feel like you cannot be loved, but they are all the lies and he is the truth and says you are loved. So let me draw the other side of the story here because this is what the world wants to buy into. This is what the world wants you to believe. And my marker's dying on me, so I'm gonna switch colors. This is what the world wants, but here is what Jesus has done for you. He has given you a brand new identity and he has said, you are not what you once were. You are not your wounds. You are not your past. You are not what has happened to you. You are loved. If you need any proof of that, you just look to the cross and look to the resurrection as the proof. Jesus poured out his blood for you, for you. Not just for an idea, not just for a religion, but for you personally in the sin that you've walked in. He has loved you so that you can say of yourself, I am loved. I might have been unloved by people in my life, but I am loved by the one who matters. I am loved by God. And I am healed. I am not my wounds I am not what was done to me. 
Jesus has filled the gap. Jesus has made me new. He is healing all of the places in me that hurt so deeply, that hurt so desperately, that made me think I could never move forward again. Jesus is healing those in my life. I am loved. I am healed. And I am forgiving. I will forgive those who hurt me. It doesn't mean that they don't have a price to pay for what they've done. But you relinquish the authority and the power of being the one to make sure that happens in their life. Because that's what you and I want to do. You hurt me, I'll make sure you pay. And when you say, I'll make sure you pay, you just put yourself in a prison. There are some people who need to pay for what they've done to some other people or to us. But here's what forgiveness is. God, I trust you to take care of me and to take care of them, and I relinquish my control over the situation so that I can forgive them. Do you see what I'm saying? When this happens, now the world, as we said, will toss darts at us. But now because I know who I am and because I have a new identity, a dart comes at me now and it goes, it bounces right off of me because I know who I am in Christ. Try to insult me. I know who I am in Christ. You're not hurting me. Try to insult me. Think. It, it, come, it just flies right off of me. Say what you want about me. This is what allows Jesus to stand there in the face of great accusation, in the face of great pain, to take the beating that he took, to take the false accusation that he had when he had done nothing wrong. This is what enables him to do that because he knows who he is is he has a new identity he says say what you want to me it's not going to hurt me this is what you and I are invited to this is where you and I are called to live we don't have to walk around with our wounds sticking out we can walk around knowing we have one who's been wounded for us he has shown us the scars and they are healed scars and I can rest in that and I can say, say what you want, do what you want. You're not going to hurt me or affect me. In fact, I am able now because of who I am to give out love. I can give out understanding. I can give out forgiveness to people around me because I am not what's been done to me. I am what has been done for me, and I am loved, healed, and forgiving. Amen? Amen. This is why I said this is next level in this series, and I'm believing God's going to show us plenty of pictures and illustrations and stories out of people's lives that say, I am not what's been done to me. I have been set free. And you have been set free. You have. You have been set free. You can now allow Jesus to fill in the gaps of your pain. Jesus never dismisses 
your pain. He doesn't pretend it doesn't happen. He doesn't ask us to pretend it doesn't happen. He asks us to come to him in our time of need. He says that he will heal the brokenhearted. Jesus didn't say, I've come to dismiss the brokenhearted. I've come to act like it didn't happen. I've come to tell them to toughen up and let's move on. No, he said, I have come to heal the brokenhearted. I have come to set the captives free. I am not what has been done to me. I am what has been done for me. This is my new identity, and I can love. I can forgive, and I am being healed. Now, I'm going to pray. I'm going to introduce someone to you, and you're going to hear this truth illustrated in their life. What's crazy is I had this message planned. This person came Wednesday and told me the story, and it fits. When you hear it, you'll be in awe of what God has done. He is the one at work here. Amen? So let's pray, and then a story. Father, I thank you that your desire is to free us You don't want to keep us in this place of bondage and pain. It's your desire to set us free, to heal what's been broken, and for us to forgive in the same way that we have been forgiven. So I thank you for the truth. I thank you in advance for the stories to come. I thank you for freedom that is in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, let me introduce to you a young woman who has been attending Vertical for just a little while now, recently came to our Next Step event, and I talked with this week, and you're going to hear the story of her life. So, uh, if you'll welcome to the stage with me, Leslie Powell. Leslie, come on up. Yeah, come on up on the stage. Yeah, good. We'll just stand here if that's all right. You good? I'll give you a microphone. It's on already. So Leslie and I talked uh, this week, and I'm just in awe that you're here today. I'm grateful for God is the one who has enabled you to be here today. There's a long story with a lot of turns in it. You're going to hear a shortened version today. I'm sure Leslie might be interested if you want to talk with her about some other elements of the story. So Leslie, you grew up in a home filled with some pain and a void that left you in a a dark place. Talk about what that, what happened as a result of the void in your home. So the void that I had um, through my childhood left me extremely empty. And I'm very emotional, so. It's all right. You've got lots of friends and family with you today. Yes. That's good. Um, Yes, it was an emptiness that, um, looking back, I really just, I can't even describe to you. Um, It's indescribable, actually. Um, I felt worthless, and I had no hope, really. I was looking for love and um, trying to fill that void with all of the wrong things, drugs, alcohol, people. Yeah. It led down some dark paths. Yes, very dark paths. That produced 
I'm sure a lot of guilt in your life. Yes, and shame. Yeah. So the emptiness only complicated by some more guilt and shame added on top of that. Yes. That carries you into high school. Yes. And beyond. Yes, into my early 20s. Wow. So we're leaving out so much of the story for sake of uh, young ears in the room. You later meet a man who loves you and loves the daughter that you have at this point. He actually fell in love with my daughter before he fell in love with me, which made me fall in love with him. Mm. Because here's now someone to fill in the gap for your life. Yes. That you thought would love you. And -hmm. you marry him. Yes, we were married for 12 years. Okay, 12 years. And you're not living in this area at the time. No, we lived in East Texas. Okay, in East Texas. What's crazy are some of the connections here. In just a moment, uh, we're going to bring up Amanda, who has been a lifelong friend since how, what age were y'all friends? I was four and she was five. Wow. Um, Leslie was also in Jeff Seif's church for a while in DeSoto. So other connections there. So uh, you meet this man, you marry, and things are going well, but then you begin to notice some things that clue you into something's not right here. What do you start to notice? Well, initially he was working and I was staying at home uh, with our two daughters that we had at the time and he ended up becoming very unhappy in his work and what he did. So I temporarily went back to work, um, but that temporary ended up being permanent Um, I ended up being the sole provider for our family for many years. Mm. And um, he changed. He went to a very dark place. Um, He started delving into a lot of conspiracies, and he lost his faith, and I lost touch with the Lord, and things just got very dark and very scary. Um, There was a lot of abuse, mental, emotional, physical Uh, for many years. And he's gotten involved with some substances during this time? Yes. Yep. And you start to notice on your children signs of abuse? Yes. And that puts in a difficult situation. You're not sure what to do, but all of a sudden it increases to the point that God provides someone that helps you say what's been going on. You meet a friend at work. Yes. And she encourages you to contact the police. Yes, she actually didn't give me a choice. I wish she could be here today. Yeah. But yes, she um, she was the one person that I confided in. And the day that we met, it was like an electrifying feeling when we shook hands. And we knew in that moment we met for a reason. And we later found out about two years after that why. Wow. Yeah, she was telling me the story, said that... Um, you had confided in this, in this woman, and then there came a day where she said, we need to talk. She, you two went into a room, and she grabbed her phone and said, you haven't told me everything. Now you're going to talk to this detective. Mm-hmm. And you told him. Yes. You opened up, and you told him what was happening. And at that point, the police rally and start heading to your house. Yes. To arrest him and rescue your children. Yes. It has gotten to that level. This is not small. This is not, maybe it's not. This was definite. 
and it was certain. So that is a very unusual day, I'm sure filled with lots of fear, but at the same time, some relief. The case ends up going to trial. If I remember correctly, you told me that he elected to have the judge make a decision and not a jury. Right, he waived his right to a jury trial. You go to the courtroom and what happens? So that morning, um, I was an absolute mess. Uh, I was terrified. I just had it stuck in my head that this was not going to end well um, and that everything was my fault. And so I, I was scared, but I wanted to do whatever I needed to do to save my children. So um, from the second that we walked in there, it was absolutely amazing to see and feel God with me through that whole entire trial from beginning to finish. Um, he was fully indicted unanimously by the grand jury on 19 first degree felony charges. Um, and uh, he, I had to testify, so that was different and it was scary. Um, but when I sat on the stand, just God took my fear away. He just, I instantly felt that I didn't need to worry anymore and that everything was going to be okay. And um, he was actually given a life sentence. Wow. If that gives you any indication of how severe the charges were, and how great the abuse was. How many children do you have? I have four beautiful children. Yeah. Yeah. And so this happens not a long time ago. This all happened one year ago. This is how close we are to that event. You move away from that area and you choose Midlothian. Yes, Ellis County area. I lived in East Texas in Hunt County, which is about two hours from here. And why do you choose North Ellis County? Well, for many years, I was, me and my children were not able to be with our friends and family. We were held against our will, basically, and all of the most important people in my life live here. Yeah. So and Amanda's one yeah, of those. Yeah, she's my very, very best friend. She's my sister. Yeah. Amanda, why don't you come up and stand with, with her today? So Leslie makes the decision to move to this area because of Amanda, and Amanda starts right away saying, you ought to come to church with me. And she eventually does. And she's been here. God's been at work in her life. And over the last weeks especially, he has sped up the healing for her. What does it mean for you to be in a church one year removed from all of that with close friend and now many other friends and believers? What does it mean to you to be here Again, this is something that is almost indescribable. Um, my life is so different. I have my hope and my faith back. And life is still not easy. You know, we live in a world full of, you know, powers and principalities that are constantly against us. And um, it's really 
peaceful knowing that I have a father who, no matter what I've done and no matter what I've been through, he's here for me and he always has been. Do you see why this story is so essential against this message? She has had all kinds of things done to her and it would be tempting to own what has been done to her and remain in that. But she has turned to the one who loved her when all else had turned away from her. She's turned to the one who has the power to forgive her when she couldn't find relief anywhere else. And she's found in Jesus Christ life and peace. Amen? Yeah. Amen. So she was also telling me that uh, now, after being here, her kids go to Elevate. They're with Miss Micah upstairs and the other teachers, and her kids come home and say, Mom, can we read the Bible together? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we can. Yes. And so today, to be baptized is not just a, I want to start new moment, but it is an intentional choice to say, I want to identify with the one who loves me, who has healed me, I don't want to identify with my past. And that's what baptism is a picture of. It's a picture of the death of Jesus for us, the resurrection of Jesus for us. It's a picture of our old life being removed, dying to our past, and being resurrected. It is saying, I am not what has been done to me. I am what has been done for me in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you give her a hand? I mean, that takes courage to come up here. So, Leslie, just last question then. What does it mean to you to be baptized today? I've kind of said some of that already. I'm just curious, anything else you'd add to that? Well, I have had God bumps all day. Um, again, I'm very emotional, but it's, it's exhilarating. It's freeing. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. I look over and I see the most important people in my life here today. And I'm just so thankful yeah. I'm so grateful. Yeah. Well, there is a church here that also stands with you to remind you of these things. You're loved by Jesus Christ. You're in the process of being healed by Jesus along with your children. And you have the power to forgive and not stand in what has been done to you, but become new in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Let me have the microphone and let's, let's go get baptized. Yeah, come on down. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't you grateful for her courage this morning? Yeah, step on in. Have a seat. Well, Leslie, you have a firm grasp on what Jesus has done for you. And this is a beautiful picture today. I'm glad that family and friends can be here. Your church family is gathered with you. We all stand together with you to remind you, you are not what has been done to you. You are what has been given to you in Jesus Christ. And in all of that today, I'm excited to baptize you. You are not who you once were. You are now risen and resurrected in Jesus Christ. You are buried with him in baptism and your past. And you're raised to walk in newness of life. <laughs>